It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I do not understand this football name in America. How how many of kicks is there in the football game? Six kicks? I'm going to say it once and hopefully I'm wrong, but it's a disaster waiting to happen. I love all of those things with the piggy skin and the men running around. So much screams and then a toss and then everyone is in a large, large hill. A star is born in the NFL. I like the moxie, but I, more importantly, I like the poise and the noise. Oh, what are you doing? You gotta be paping me. It's Jonathan Elway. He was so sassy and cool and hey guys, I'm a cowboy. Bang, bang, sling, sling, toss, toss. I'm going to lose all the time. And then I win and then he leaves as he wins. You cannot beat this. From Munich, Germany, the Broncos and Bratwurst podcast with Kevin Gillikin. Yes, I'm Kevin Gillikin, born and raised in Denver, Colorado, lifelong Broncos fan. I recently moved to Munich, Germany, but as they say, distance makes the heart grow fonder, and so I still love them and love talking about them, even though it's from across the pond. Happy Tuesday, Broncos fans. It is the Tuesday of Super Bowl week. Unfortunately, I'm here with a bit of a cold, so I think... This is going to be a bit of a shorter podcast this week. Hopefully, you all will understand. We will still have a great segment later on by the Skipper Dude talking about fandom. If you read my uh, article on milehighreport.com, it tells you, again, the four or uh, five different levels of fandom or fanhood or, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, the levels of being a fan. Uh, very interesting podcast. Uh, take by Skipper Dude as always. So I, I definitely recommend that you stick around and listen to his segment coming up in a bit. At the end of the show, I think we're going to have another fan rant, a guest 
um, ranter, I, should, I suppose. Uh, I'm not sure who it's going to be this week. It may again be Luke Short, who's been a fantastic contributor the last two weeks. Um, it's possible I may have a few guys, uh, a few um, servicemen that are over here in Germany, but are lifelong Broncos fans as well. Um, I have yet to find out. They're going to send me their stuff here sometime this morning. So stick around for that as well. The fan rant will be at the very end of the show. Um, what do we want to cover today? I mean, it's such an interesting week being a football fan. I mean, first of all, last week was kind of your garbage week because it's the Pro Bowl in terms of just strict you know, NFL play. It's the first Sunday without a real football game since early September, so it's a bit of a downer for most people. I think a lot of people are used to sitting on their couch and watching football or going to a a sports bar or whatever, watching football all day long. Um, I do it here. I watch at least the the early games since the the late games go until about 2 in the morning here in Germany. But uh, yeah, the Pro Bowl was, you know, what do we expect the Pro Bowl to be? I think... A lot of people don't like the Pro Bowl. They give it a hard time and stuff, but who cares? I mean, eight. I, I think I saw today 8 million people watched it, so it's still popular enough. I mean, it's mostly just giving the players a treat for having a good season. I mean, why? why I don't really get why people are always giving it a hard time, why people are always down about it. People are always saying, hey, this needs to go. Why, why does anyone care? If you don't like it, then don't watch. <laughs> I mean, there's so many of these things, right? That Especially on social media, people always complaining about shows or complaining about news coverage or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, if you don't like it, then, you know, I don't know, watch The Bachelorette or something. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, whatever. I mean, and the Pro Bowl was, uh, I don't think any real big news for, for Broncos players. Uh, kind of a strange game. You had running backs out there. Uh, rushing the passer and stuff. I really only watched the highlights, and honestly, I don't think anyone really cares. Anyway, this week, again, we have the Super Bowl, of course, between the LA Rams and the New England Patriots. The Patriots, as always, back at the Super Bowl for their, what, third time in four years. The only time they weren't in was with when Peyton Manning, of course, beat them in the championship game in 2015, the year where the Broncos, of course, went on to win the Super Bowl. Um, and it's a fascinating thing that the, the four years in the last, what is it? The last, I guess, six where Peyton Manning was not playing the new England Patriots have gone to the Super Bowl. So it just shows you that really the only guy who was able to keep the Patriots out of the final game of the season was Peyton Manning. Now, what does that tell us for the future of the AFC? Well, I think the Patriots eventually they have to, slow down. I mean, once Tom Brady retires, if they win this year, it sounds like it's possible he'll retire. Um, would a Belichick scheme work just as well for another quarterback? That That's the question, right? I mean, I think that's the question many people ask is, can this team, can the Patriots team be just as good without Tom Brady? Now, there are different different opinions on that. Honestly, I don't think they can be as good. I think the scheme is a big reason, but the scheme fits the quarterback, and I think that that they are a a, a relationship. They're a, they're a husband and wife relationship that they work. They are a team that works because of Tom Brady and because of the scheme. It's it's not mutually exclusive. So I think you need both. So if Tom Brady were to retire, if of course Bill Belichick was to retire, go to greener pastures, you know, go do whatever he's going to. What would Bill Belichick do after he retires? You know, a lot of these coaches go into broadcasting and go into talk shows or whatever. I cannot imagine Bill Belichick on a talk show, you know. I mean, obviously this is a guy who 
knows football better than just about anyone on earth. But I can't imagine him in in the booth, you know, with his, you know, really monotone. Yeah, well, then Tom Brady is, you know, that was a really nice pass because, no, I don't think it's going to work. I think you at least have to have a little bit of that Tony Romo excitement in you. Um, who, yeah, of course, he's the media darling these days. But it is, it's a funny thing if you compare Romo to his former teammate, Jason Witten in the booth. Uh, Big difference. Anyway, I'm totally rambling today. Um, as with, you know, most of the off season, <laughs> there'll be some form and, and, and intent going in. Um, but you know, come on, it's the off season, especially right now it's the Super Bowl. There's really nothing to talk about with free agency. <coughs> Excuse me. There's nothing to talk about with free agency. There's not a lot to talk about with rookies. I mean, we can rehash of course the, the quarterback situation, but there's no real news, so I think it's it is kind of a time just to sit here and chat and talk about the Broncos, which is again, I would love to hear your thoughts, your opinions. I want fan rants. I want this to be, you know, partly a fan podcast. I want your voice to be heard. If you want to get on the show and want to be a part of the Broncos and Bratwurst podcast, send me an email at Kevin Gillikin USA at gmail.com. Again, Kevin Gillikin USA at gmail.com. I'd love to have you part of the show. Just send me an email and we will talk about the details. So as we head into the Super Bowl and as we talk about fandom, it's it's a hard thing for me here in Germany because unfortunately, many of these fans in Germany are are right now becoming fans of the NFL. Now, okay, that's not unfortunate. I get that that's the fortunate side of it. It's a good thing that the sport is becoming more and more popular. It, more people I talk to watch the games. More people I talk to are, are are spending time learning learning players, learning team names, and even playing fantasy. I, I play fantasy with a couple of Germans over here, and, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, the downside to that is that the team that, of course, has dominated in the last few years and the team that most Germans seem to cheer for is, of course, the New England Patriots. And so that's another hard thing to deal with here. Most of the time I see American sports paraphernalia here. It's either the New, the New York Yankees or the Patriots. Now, the Yankees is because people wear the, the NY hats, and I don't think they actually know that it's the Yankees hats. I think they, they just they just think it means New York. <laughs> I don't know if that's the case. Now, over here, you don't often see Raiders paraphernalia or Chiefs paraphernalia. Mostly, again, it's mostly Patriots and Yankees. And it's fitting because here in Bayern, of course, they really have the the evil the evil empire of Bayern Munich soccer, Bayern Munich football. They would say here that is very similar to the Yankees and to the Patriots. That they dominate year in and year out. They have more money. They have the best players, etc. And I actually work part time with uh, FC Bayern Munich for the the basketball team, which is kind of like the the sister of the, of the soccer team. It's, it's actually a club. I mean, it's it's the biggest club in the world I believe in it so it's it's not it's not the same as like the teams in the U.S. that they're really more of a they call it a Ferrine so it's like a club it's just a very very huge club and their club you know their basketball team of the club is actually a team that I, I write for for their their English portion of the the website and so you would think I'd be a big Bayern Munich fan but actually I'm not because they remind me too much of the New York Yankees and the, and the New England Patriots that just always win. So I try to find teams that that are not 
just this dominant force and that is a little more of an underdog, I'm more of an underdog guy. If I'm going to pick a team, I would rather it be someone who I can watch grow and build. And so my wife is from uh, Karlsruhe, which is a team, I think they're right now in the, the third league, but they're they're going up. So hopefully uh, next season, KSC uh, will be in the second league here in Germany and continue to fight their way up. Um, I don't honestly follow it that closely, but you know when I see news and when I see games, when I watch matches, I should say, I do uh, typically just cheer for the underdog, which I guess makes me a bit of a malcontent. Uh, I think if you're looking in terms of, of being a soccer fan, I usually just root against the better team. I, you know, that's kind of a, maybe that's a strange, that's not one of the options I gave or that the skipper dude will give. Um, but if anything, it's probably the closest to malcontent. That makes me feel a little bad, actually. I'm kind of a troll when it comes to um, being a soccer fan. But, yeah, you know, what can you do? I don't really care. I mean, I only really watch soccer when it's time for the World Cup or the European Championships or something. Yeah, I'm obviously more of a American sports guy right now. Uh, very excited about the Denver Nuggets, who just pulled off an unbelievable comeback win against Memphis. Um, they're quite the team. Boy, if they somehow get healthy this season, they're they're tough to beat. I, I don't know if they're the number one or number two team, but I think they're in the top five for sure. And that happened a lot faster than most Nuggets fans and experts thought. I, I think most people thought they would be a work in progress that maybe in, in a year or two from now, they would be a big time contender. But right now they are absolutely a contender and big props to them. Uh, absolutely a joy to watch, fun to watch. And I hope that the Broncos can build a team similar to the Nuggets. And, and, and that's a really interesting thought. It's a really interesting comparison because the Nuggets, of course, you know, after firing George Carl, geez, when was that? I don't know, maybe 2014, I think. Uh, the guy who had led them year after year after year to the playoffs, but just not enough. He couldn't quite get them over that hump. They they never, I think only one time made it past the first round of the playoffs. And so they fired him, brought in um, uh, Shaw, Brian Shaw, who was a complete disaster. Very similar, in my opinion, to um, Vance Joseph. He was a guy who was known around the league as a, as a good personality, a good locker room guy, a guy who's a leader. But he was totally, totally clueless on the side of the court. I mean, the guy just had no idea, and it was it became clearer and clearer as the seasons went. I think he lasted a season in, in a quarter or a season and a half in Denver, and absolute disaster. And eventually, they brought in um, Michael Malone, who was again kind of a, more of an older guy, a guy who had coached uh, in Sacramento before, a guy who was uh, a long time, very well respected uh, assistant coach. And and I think that's a really interesting thing. And he was a guy who who really really preached defense. He really preached that you have to win with defense. That that the playoffs, if you want to go deep in the playoffs, the only way to do it is to become a strong defensive team. And and people don't really realize that with Golden State that they're they're not a great defensive team and they're a great shooting team. But the, the reason why they're so good, the reason why they're so great, is because they are a team. They play offense as a team. They play defense as a team. And there's not selfishness, even though you have Steph Curry, who's perhaps the best player in basketball and the best shooter of all time. Um, anyway, so so the Nuggets, what they did is they brought him in, and even though they struggled through the first few years, you saw relationships not work. You saw players that didn't get along with Malone. Um, you know, Yusuf Nurkic went to uh, Portland because he wasn't happy with his playing time. He wasn't happy with Malone. There were rumblings that Nikola Jokic wasn't happy with Malone at the beginning. 
But you know what? The, the Broncos front office and ownership said, hey, this is the guy. He, he's got an idea. He's got a plan. He has, you know, the there there is a a scheme in place here, a strategy, not just for now, but for the long term. And they stuck with Malone and, and they stuck with the struggles and they struck stuck with a, a defense that was terrible and a team that couldn't pick up Malone's defensive schemes. And then finally this year, it just clicked. It just clicked. Uh, I mean, Nikola Jokic totally bought in on defense and that's a big reason why their defense is in the top, I think, 10 in the league. And a lot of what's happening right now for the Denver Nuggets is because they stuck with a coach. Now, I get it. You can't always stick with a coach. It's like Brian Shaw. You can't just say, okay, we're going to stick with him no matter what because he was a terrible coach. Now, that's really probably the case with what happened to Vance Joseph. The Vance Joseph, good guy, maybe a great defensive coach, maybe a great assistant coach, but not. he just doesn't understand you know that portion of the game. It's a hard thing to do. Being a head coach in any sport at that level is really difficult. That's why there are only, you know, what, a couple hundred in all the major league sports in the U.S. who can do it. It's just like being a a sports commentator. You know, I I can tell you from experience, it's a really hard thing to do. It's a really hard thing to get into, which makes me feel a little bit, you know, sorry for, for Jason Witten because he is compared to Tony Romo, who's just particularly good at being a, a a color uh, commentator. Anyway, okay, going off track again. Anyway, so I think what the Broncos need to do they need to see the approach that the Nuggets went after. You know, the Nuggets decided that, hey, we're going to stick with this guy who has a defensive-minded coach, a guy who, he's he's a hard-nosed guy. He, he sometimes wears his emotions on his sleeve. He sometimes loses his temper. But the, the players, if given the chance, if given the time to buy in, it's going to work. And you know what? It's working. And it seems that John Elway has kind of approached the same strategy this offseason with the Broncos and said, hey, okay, we're going to get someone who's well-respected, a longtime assistant coach, a longtime defensive coordinator, a guy who's who's kind of hard-nosed, he speaks his mind, he doesn't play games, maybe he's not going to get along with some players because he just doesn't mess around, he's old school. This is very much a similar hire like Michael Malone. And I think if the Broncos stick with it, even if they stick with, with with a bad season next year, maybe even two, I think it will definitely reap the rewards because, again, it feels to me like he is a guy, Vic Fangio is a guy who has a real solid idea of how to win in the National Football League. And I think if John Elway, if the front office, if the fans can be patient and let him do it, if they can say, okay, Case Keenum, he might be the quarterback next year, but... We can let that happen. We can say maybe 2019 isn't the year, but 2020, 2021, that's our contention window, and that's when we're coming at you, baby. Up next, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Broncos' quarterback situation and who we think is going to be the QB in Denver next year. After that, Skipper Dude with his awesome segment about fandom. After this. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. So everywhere you look, there are different ideas, different plans, different schemes for the Broncos and who their next quarterback should be. And honestly, nobody knows. Um, I don't think John Elway even knows. I think he has some ideas. I think Vic Fangio, um, Rich Gannon-Gorello also have some ideas and some plans of who they want. Remember, this is a scheme that's going to be very much similar to Gary Kubiak's, but I guess more like um, Shanahan Jr. in in the 49ers, a little more of a actually... Uh, I don't know, go big approach. So it's it's a similar scheme. I think, you know, a zone blocking type scheme, but it's more uh, up-tempo. It's, it's more attacking down the field. And so it's going to be actually a more, uh, I don't know, exciting version, much more exciting version of the Gary Kubiak scheme or Gary Kubiak offense. So who is going to fit in that offense? Well, we'll see. I think, you know, out of all the options, the options being um, bringing in a guy like Nick Foles, bringing in a guy like Joe Flacco, or drafting someone and starting this year, or drafting someone and sticking with Keenum. I think the most likely is that they stick with Keenum for one more season, or at least a half a season. He's not very expensive. He's a guy who I think in the right scheme can have some success. And the Broncos just have to say, okay, when is our contention window? Is it right now? Does it start in 2019 or does it start in 2020, 2021? Now, I don't believe that they're close enough to actually compete in in 2019 this season. I think they're getting closer. I think if they add a, a good draft, if they bring in some free agents, then yes, they could. But of course, what do we see every year? The only way you win is with a quarterback. You just can't win with a quarterback that's not good enough. And I don't see any of these guys being good enough to lead your team from start to finish in a season and through the playoffs. That includes Nick Foles. Yes, Nick Foles has had some great games in the playoffs, but he otherwise has not looked that good. I don't think he's a franchise quarterback. I don't think he's a guy you really build a team around. So I don't like the idea of going and spending a lot of money on Foles when I don't think he's he's not much of an upgrade over Case Keenum. And I don't think Joe Flacco is much either, and he he doesn't get much love here in Denver. Of course, he's a he has better arm strength. Maybe he has he can do some things that Case Keenum can't. But I you can argue that Case Keenum is actually a better, more accurate, more dependable QB. Now Keenum before this season was known as a guy who just didn't make mistakes. He managed the offense, and you know you you won around him rather than because of him. But he didn't usually cost you 
the games. Now, this season, the team and the coaches put him, or this last season, I should say, they put him in a position to say, hey, okay, you know, go out and try to get things done, you know, go and, and be the hero, be the guy, and it failed for the first, you know, what, five games of the season, and then so the coaches, it seems, said, okay, okay, calm down, be be the old Case Keenum, don't make mistakes, and then it wasn't enough, and so the coaches went back to him and said, okay, no, 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 go back to being that the gunslinger, go go be crazy, and anyway, you know, it was, it was a disastrous season all the way around, as we all well know. Now, I think, though, that if Keenum is put in a consistent, <coughs> a consistent, I don't know, path to win, if he has players around him in a scheme that he, that works for him, if it's a lot of play actions, if it's a lot of bootlegs, I think he can succeed. He can be good enough to give you a plus season. I mean, who believes that the Broncos next season are going to the Super Bowl? I don't. I mean, they have some talent, but they are really, really lacking in others. I mean, tell me the number two quarterback, cornerback, excuse me. I mean, Chris Harris is number one, but he's even coming off an injury. He should be healthy by then, I guess, but he's getting older too. I mean, how long can Chris Harris continue to be that good as the nickel cornerback? I think it's incredible that he's been that good for this long. I I think he is one of the greatest cornerbacks, nickel cornerbacks of all time. But he's getting older. Eventually, his hips aren't going to move like they used to. Eventually, he's not going to be as quick. Now, yes, a lot of his game is in being extremely smart and in knowing the game of football and and watching film. But eventually, your body catches up with you. Your age catches up with you. And it could be this year. Eventually, it will happen. And eventually, Chris Harris is going to have to be your number three or number four cornerback. And that's going to happen sooner rather than later, even if we don't want to admit it. It's, it's, It's possibly the same with Von Miller. Von Miller is a guy who makes his money and and is one of the best in football at rushing the passer by his speed because of his quick jump. Eventually, your body can't do it anymore. I think a guy like Chubb, Bradley Chubb, is someone who is going to be good for a long, long time, like, like Suggs in Baltimore, because he has this style that's not all about speed. It's more about strength. It's about, you know, maybe, you know, a swim move or whatever. It's, it's like Elvis Doomerville. You know, maybe you have that bend. Now, of course, Von Miller has that too. I think Von Miller is going to be good for a long time. But can Von Miller be this good for a long time? When is Von Miller going to lose that extra notch of speed? Now, I hope it's not this year or next year or in the next five. But eventually, you have to start considering, okay, these guys can't be great forever. The Von Miller, DeMarcus Ware greatness, that season kind of culminated in 2015. That was the peak. That was a contention window for the defense. And then, of course, it ended because you lost Peyton Manning on offense. So the contention window is so important. We talk about it over and over and over because this is what a team has to base their offseason around. They have to base all their decisions around when are we going to compete? When can we win? Now, Elway, of course, all front office general managers say, okay, yeah, of course, every year we have, we're going to compete. Every year we're going to have a chance to win. And it's just not the case. It just doesn't work that way. Of course they say that because it's their job to say it. But when you lose a guy like Peyton Manning, a guy like DeMarcus Ware, eventually you have to say, okay, yeah, we're probably going to struggle. You're not going to bring in a rookie or bring in Osweiler or bring in you know Paxton Lynch and say, okay, we're going to be just as good as we were last year. You have to be... You know, you have to have some sense in it and say, okay, you know, 2019, how are we going to win? We've got a good running game, but we have no offensive line. Who's the offensive line right now? 
Do they have a single guy signed that we want to play on offense? I guess maybe Garrett Bowles, but he's not even a guy we want to play at left tackle. Maybe a guy at, at right tackle or left guard or something. Now, he got a lot better this year. I think he has potential, but he's not great. You know, Matt Paradis isn't signed. Jared Valdir isn't signed. Where's the offensive line? Yes, I have hope, of course, that Mike Munchak is going to coach this team up, that he's going to coach the offensive lineup as the offensive line coach. He's probably the best in football. That's awesome. I mean, I think that's great. But can he do that in one year with an entirely new offensive line and make them good enough to compete in the playoffs in the Super Bowl? It's really unlikely, guys. We have to come to grips with that. I mean, what about the secondary? What about the cornerbacks? What about, you know, the, the, the wide receivers? Sure, I like Cortland Sutton, but who else do you like? Emmanuel Sanders might be done for a year. He's probably gone. I mean, are we going to rely on guys like Deshaun Hamilton and guys like Tim Patrick? That's not a playoff caliber wide receiver core. It's just not. I mean, I like the stories. I like the young guys, but they don't flash. They don't tell me there's something special. Now, hopefully someone can come in and coach them up or maybe in the right scheme, et cetera, blah, 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 blah. But if you just look at the facts, if you look at what the team is right now, I don't see them as competing in 2019, which means... It doesn't make sense to bring in someone like Foles or Flacco. They cost too much money, and there's no sense to it. I mean, unless you think that those are the guys that can win right now with your team right now, you're just not going to do it. And I don't even think if the Broncos had a great team, I don't think I would even bring in Flacco and probably not even Foles. So, again... Back to the quarterback situation, I think the Broncos stick with Keenum. You go another year, you say, hey, look, this is a practical rebuild. This is a year where, you know, we want to compete a bit. We're, we're, we're in a quick rebuild. We want to be competing next year. And, and hey, great if we make the playoffs. That's fantastic. If we have a winning season, awesome. But this is not the Super Bowl year. And that's okay. Build for 2020. Build for 2021. You have your coaching staff now, and stick with it, like the Nuggets did with Michael Malone. You know they they the, the Nuggets fans. I mean, I I am consistently on these the SB Nation um, uh, Nuggets website, the DenverStiffs.com, which is an awesome awesome site. It's 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 very similar to MileHighReport.com. It, it's got great coverage. It's got great writers. Great great comments from people. All over the world, a lot of people from Serbia, of course, because Nikola Jokic is is, is a superstar um, in Serbia, um, and a lot of those fans could not stand Michael Malone. They couldn't stand his philosophy. They couldn't handle that he didn't get along with some of his quote unquote star players, and they wanted him gone. They wanted him gone after half a season, after one season, after two seasons. But the front office was patient. They didn't listen to the fans. They didn't even look at this at the the standings. They 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 didn't see that okay, the Nuggets missed the playoffs two years in a row by one game. But that's okay. The team is improving. The team is slowly building and buying into the scheme. And that's exactly what the Broncos have to do. They have to say, okay, you know, 2019, let's let's be a little patient. Let's improve. Let's get to eight and eight. Let's get to nine and seven. Heck, let's even make the playoffs. But your, your goal is not, it's not a Super Bowl or bust type season. No one believes that. Of course it's not. You can never say it's a Super Bowl or bust with your first year head coach in a team without a quarterback. So as fans, we need to have realistic expectations for this team. We need to say, okay, what, what should we want this team to do in 2019? 
Now, of course, every year we want them to make the Super Bowl, and that's fine. I mean, when the season comes around, you want the team to win every single game. But we have to have the expectations at the beginning of the season to say, okay, what is this team? Now, in 2018, my predictions were a 9-7 and season were the absolute highest. That was the peak of a season they could have. Now, of course, they did worse than that, but they were fairly close. There were games that they could have won, of course. There were games that they could have you know, turned around and become a 9-7 and team, but they were not going to be a team that was competitive. Now, that was my argument several weeks ago that they should have given Vance Joseph time. They should have said, okay, we, be- we believe in him. We hired him. Let's stick with it. Now, again, I understand. If you believe that Vance Joseph is like Brian Shaw and is just not a good coach, then, okay, fire him. But eventually, you have to pick a guy and stand behind him. I know. I got a ton of crap for backing up Vance Joseph. But I don't care about Vance Joseph. I didn't like him in his opening press conference either. I I think he made tons of mistakes. But the idea is that eventually, even with mistakes, even with losing, even with having, I don't even know, a, a bad culture, if you hire a guy, you have to give him the power to succeed and give him time. Maybe that time is shorter for others than 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 for some rather than others. But Vic Fangio needs at least three years. At least we cannot say if 2019 ends up at six and ten again, we can't say, "Oh, this was the wrong hire." We can't say, "Oh, Vic Fangio has to go." Now, of course, we're going to say it, but you get my point. Eventually, it has to become realistic. When is the contention window? I believe my opinion is the contention window begins in 2020 if if you bring in the right quarterback. Now, that can be someone in the draft. That can be a free agent. I don't think it's going to be Case Keenum. Case Keenum is a bridge quarterback that lets you survive a year, bring in more talent, coach up more talent, let the players learn the scheme. Probably draft someone this year, but maybe it's not the guy. Everyone's talking about Locke, but I don't think Elway wanted to pick Locke in the top 10 picks. I think John Elway and and Gary Kubiak at the time were interested in Locke as a second round pick. But all of a sudden, of course, Locke has a great senior bowl and, you know, the rest is probably history. Now, if Locke falls, which is also possible, you never know in the draft. The draft is a total crapshoot. And even though people try to predict what's going to happen, it rarely actually works, at least after the first five or six picks. But we'll see. It'll be, it'll be interesting. But I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think Locke seems to be the best of the senior quarterbacks. He had the best senior bowl. He seems like a smart guy, a guy with a lot of talent, but he's lacking also in areas. He's lacking in his post-snap decisions. He's lacking in footwork. And if the Broncos want to bring in a guy who's a project, okay, I'm okay with that because you have another year of Case Keenum, but eventually you have to, just like the coach, get the guy the ball and let him play. you got to take the lumps. If you're going to go with a rookie quarterback and you want to have success for the next 10 or 20 years, you have to let him lose. You have to let him suck because that's how it goes. It's just the same, again, with coaches with Brian Shaw with Vance Joseph now the only difference is it's similar too. again though I mean like Paxton Lynch Paxton Lynch was like Brian Shaw like Vance Joseph you picked a guy and it became clear he wasn't the guy now Elway is probably not going to have that chance again you can only miss so many times at quarterback and keep your job but it's a hard thing to do 
It's hard, especially when the draft doesn't have many good quarterbacks. Your fans want to win now. Case Keenum is your second best option if you don't draft a guy. Tough, 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 tough. We'll see what they do. I'm betting Keenum and perhaps, perhaps Locke going into 2019. Up next, Skipper Dude talking about fandom, the four or five different levels of being a fan. Fantastic segment. Stick around. He's up next. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks, as always, for having me on, Kevin. I am the Skipper Dude, proud Broncos fan since 1984. So today, with the biggest day on the entire sports calendar coming up this Sunday, I wanted to take some time to discuss the reason we do this thing called sports. Namely, you and me, the fan. In my experience, there are about four or five levels of fanhood out there, and I'm sure you've experienced all of them. And if you're listening to to Broncos and Bratwurst, you probably even fit into one of them. And so let's talk those through real quickly. The the lowest and most loathsome of all fans, in my opinion, is what I call the malcontent. Malcontent, in all honesty, isn't really a sports fan, but just a pure troll. He doesn't really care who wins any given game, just so long as it's not the home team. The malcontent gets a strange thrill out of watching the sufferings of real fans. The the good news for them, of course, is that they're going to be, you know, right, and they're going to get their little schadenfreude moment Um, about 31 years out of every 32 for most teams. The bad news is that they're not going to get invited to many Super Bowl parties. I haven't known a ton of these types of fans over the year, but they're they're kind of disgusting, and and I have definitely known a few. So the next level in in the world of fandom is the bandwagoner. They're better than the malcontent, at least insofar as they're more interested in their winning than they are in your losing. But those these fans basically throw their hearts into whoever is hot in any given year. I remember a classic meme that went around before Super Bowl 50 between the Broncos and Panthers. It had a picture of about 20 Panthers fans posing in full gear, foam hands, face paint, the works. At the top of the photo, it said, Carolina Panthers fans haven't been this excited. And at the bottom, it said, since 2013, when they were Seattle Seahawks fans. Ah, So I I always love that meme. So... Up from the pure bandwagoners is a third category that I like to call bandwagon loyalists. These are actually pretty decent fans. In fact, you may be one of them. They'll pick a team early in life because they're popular 
or they're consistently good, they like the color of the uniform, but then they'll stick behind the team through thick and thin through at least the first downturn or two. When I was growing up in the mid-70s, the Steelers were drawing the bandwagon loyalists. Um, a lot of those, those people are still Steelers fans, and they're a scary bunch. But um, by, by the late 70s and into the 80s, the Steelers were yesterday's news, and the Cowboys, America's team, were pulling in the bandwagon loyalists. Today, the Broncos do get their share of bandwagon loyalists. I think you can you can thank Pat Bolin and, and John Elway for that. But for the most part, your real bandwagoners are, are Patriots fans. And then, of course, at the top of the fanhood food chain are the homers. Now, homerism is, is a form of, of patriotism. Believe it or not, in philosophical circles and, and even religious circles, patriotism is a subset of, of piety. So, so to have a, a, a special affinity for, for your home team is, is really a good and wholesome thing, except for patriotism for the patriots, which, of course, is a mental illness. So now, I know most of us probably love the Denver Broncos because we have some sort of hometown history with Denver or Colorado or the Rocky Mountain region. I have a sister-in-law who grew up in North Carolina and hasn't lived there since she was probably too old, but she remembers North Carolina fondly, and the little she remembers of it. And so she'll always have an affinity for the Carolina Panthers. I think that's great. As fans, we're homers because we're loyal. And we're loyal to that which we associate with joyful times in our lives, joyful events, joyful histories. And sticking with teams like the Broncos when they finish below 500 for two straight years and then fire their head coach, as we're going through now, is part of what makes us grow as people. So, so to recap, as levels of fanhood, there are malcontents, bandwagoners, bandwagon loyalists, and homers. And then there's my buddy Jim. So, so Jim is a friend of mine. He grew up in Anaheim, literally in the shadows of the Big A in the late 70s and early 80s. Jim doesn't really remember the Rams' first trip to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl fourteen, following the 1979 season. He was too young. I barely remember it myself, and, and I'm a good bit older than he is. But most of us who grew up in L.A., like, like I did, were baseball fans first and football fans second, if even that. With, with the Lakers and, and even, even the Kings at, at times competing for, for uh, the sports fans' attention. And I know I had been a Dodgers junkie in the 70s and moved on to the Angels by the early 80s. But, but for Jim, getting to watch the L.A. Rams play in Anaheim from his earliest memories right around the corner from his house struck something deep in his soul. And, and the Rams of Jim's earliest memories were, were honestly nothing special. They had some big names like Eric Dickerson, Jim Everett and Flipper Anderson had a couple of 10 6 seasons, 1986-1988, and meager first-round playoff exits. But, but by 1990, things started falling apart for the Rams. They crumbled to 5-11 in 1990 and 3-13 in 1991. John Robinson was fired as head coach and replaced by Chuck Knox. Their owner, Georgia Frontieri, was a PR train wreck with no real sense of directions. Fans stopped coming to games in Anaheim, and the Rams had miserable seasons through 1994. But Jim never wavered in his devotion, never gave up on the Rams, never gave up on football. And in 1995, when the Rams finally ripped out the hearts of the entire L.A. fan base and moved to St. Louis, Jim moved his heart with them to St. Louis. 
never wavering in his devotion, never holding a grudge against the Rams' lack of loyalty to his hometown. And, and yes, he was rewarded for a short, short time with the greatest show on turf, Kurt Warner, St. Louis Rams offense, with, with uh, victory in Super Bowl 36 and an all-time record at the time, at least, for, for points scored over three years. But after 2002, the Rams faded. And by 2007, they were back to their old 3-13 and selves with no real hope for the future. Now, I met Jim in Las Vegas in, in late 2011, where we shared a tech leadership type of job that was too much for one person, but too much for, too much for one person, but not enough for two. So we spent a lot of our days talking football. His Rams were just a season removed from having gone, consider this for a minute, an unfathomable 6-42 and 42 over the course of three seasons from, from 2009 to two, 2007 to 2009. Six wins over three seasons. They'd blown a number one overall draft pick in the almost always injured San Bradford. And shortly after the 2007 season, they, they, they fired head coach Steve Spagnuolo and, and GM Billy Devaney. The, the Rams had gone, by the time I met Jim, about as low as a franchise could go. But through it all, Jim never wavered. He never lost hope. He always watched the games, always cheered them on. And at work, I, I talk about the Broncos, who had just pulled off the miracle Tim Tebow win against Pittsburgh and, and would go on to sign Peyton Manning to play quarterback the following offseason. Jim talked about a solid nucleus that was starting to form, new ownership with Stan Kroenke, a league average or better offensive line, an improving defensive line that would eventually add Aaron Donald in, in 2014. And a front office that was doing a, front, a good job of managing the salary cap. Now, now, when you're bailing out from going 6-42 and 42 over three seasons, I honestly don't know where you find hope. But somehow or another, Jim never had trouble. Um, I had tried to warn him even about Cronky and Stan Cronky, what he had done with both the Nuggets and the Avalanche in Denver, first to high heights and then to budget cuts and low lows. But, but he, was, he was never daunted by it. The Rams hired Jeff Fisher as their coach the year we met, and Jim was Jim was plenty sophisticated enough as as a fan to to know that Jeff Fisher was only going to elevate the Rams to perpetual eighty and eight and eight mediocrity. But it was okay for him. It was a move forward. He was never going to change as a fan. He did not expect a Super Bowl every year. But uppermost in Jim's thoughts was his excitement over rumors as early as two thousand eleven that Kroenke was getting ready to move the Rams back to L.A home, back to where they had always belonged. Every public rumor was a source of joy and hope for Jim. And in 2016, his enduring patience was finally rewarded when the Rams pulled the trigger and moved back to L.A. So Kevin, this past summer, I had an opportunity to talk with a bunch of boys from a church summer camp and and give what what we call a life experience talk. I talked about heaven and used football as an analogy. I started by asking the boys who their favorite NFL team was. They, they, they were from all over the country. So a ton of team names rang out. Packers, Vikings, Cardinals, Seahawks, Steelers, and finally a voice louder than the rest, the Denver Broncos. Okay, so, so I said, fine, we'll, we'll use the Broncos as an example. So, so suppose the Broncos have made it to the Super Bowl again. And there are two fans among the many fans of the Super Bowl party. One fan has followed the Broncos all the way since training camp sweated over the final roster cuts, 
watched the preseason games, rejoiced when the Broncos beat the Chargers, and cried when they lost to the Raiders. Now, the other fan really doesn't follow the Broncos, doesn't know much about the NFL, but wanted to be part of the Super Bowl party and eat guacamole. All right, so, so the game's super close, and it's exciting. And on the last play of the game, the Broncos pull off an amazing Super Bowl victory. Now think about it. Both fans are going to be celebrating, cheering, yelling, high-fiving each other. But for which fan did the Super Bowl victory mean more? And of course, the boys knew the answer was pretty obvious. It was the fan who threw his whole heart into the team for the entire season and was behind them win or lose. So to bring this back to this week's in Super Bowl, as we head into the weekend, as Bronco fans, our season is long, long over. But I'm here to tell you that my heart is back in L.A. for this Sunday, at least, where I grew up, where my parents still live, and I'll be cheering for the Rams. And of course, anything we can do to wipe the smug, arrogant smirks off of a bunch of New England Patriots bandwagon fans is going to be high on my to-do list. But, but this Sunday is my buddy Jim's shot at football heaven. He'll be hanging out in his living room with his wonderful wife and his son. His, he calls him his little buddy, who, who's nine years old now, and a perfect age to be experienced. The, the first Super Bowl he'll remember as an adult. They'll be decked out with their Kurt Warner jerseys or maybe their new Todd Gurley jerseys just for the occasion and probably wearing eye black. It's a perfect little vignette for why we do this crazy thing we call sports. A father and son bonding in four hours of pure human drama simply to watch who can push an inflated piece of leather across a line. So for Jim, the day will feel like four hours standing in front of the pearly gates, waiting for that entry into football heaven. And Jim, buddy, if you're listening to this, if the Rams can pull this thing off, you are going to be ushered right to the front of that line that you have so deserved and earned it. Kevin, back to you. Big thank you, as always, to the Skipper Duke for coming on with an awesome segment yet again and giving us the idea of the four or five different uh, fan bases or different ways to be a fan. Uh, for me personally, I am a born and raised Broncos fan. I have bled orange and blue since, oh boy, since probably around the year 2000. Um, I remember the Super Bowl years, but I was a young kid then. I was, what, I don't know, eight or nine. So I remember them. That was when I started to kind of realize the Broncos. Uh, I think I've mentioned it before that the, the thing I remember about the 1997 uh, Super Bowl was my parents came home from having watched it and told us that the Broncos beat the Packers. And at that time, we had just moved uh, houses. Uh, we moved out to the country at the time, outside of Denver. And so having just moved, my parents having come home and said, hey, you know, the, the Broncos just beat the Packers. I just remember thinking, that's a pretty stupid name for a football team. <laughs> That's my first real memory of football. It's not super sexy, I guess. But, uh, yeah, Packers. Who would name, who would name a team Packers? Anyway, uh, we'll have to ask. Um, who names the Packers? Anyway, um, yeah, my experiences go way back. So, for me, it's never been a question. We're fortunate as Broncos fans that they don't often struggle, especially since Pat Bowen took over back in, uh, what was it, 93? Um, or like 87, geez, I don't even know. Uh, a long time ago, uh, they've been really good. But I have been a Rockies fan, a Denver Nuggets fan, and both of those teams have gone through long, long stretches of struggling. The Rockies and Nuggets have 
never won a championship. So hopefully they will. Nevertheless, no matter what, I will be by them through thick and thin, and that will never change. I want to give a shout-out to uh, my guy, Football Farooqt, on Twitter. Uh, he's, Football Farooqt means football crazy, for anyone wondering. He's a German guy uh, who sent me a message. He was not able, unfortunately, to record a fan rant. My, my other guys who were supposed to come on, again, had trouble uh, having the time and had stuff come up at work, so we're unable to record something. So unfortunately today, we will not have any fan rant. Um, so I, I, I apologize. I know I said there would be something coming at the end, but unfortunately it didn't work out for any of my guys. Uh, Football Farouk, he just wanted to come on and say that um, he bleeds orange and blue. He even took his holiday savings just to fly from Germany to Denver for one weekend beloved Broncos, even though they were losing during a crappy season with Vance Joseph. <laughs> so, yeah, he's loved them ever since he was a little kid, and he says he doesn't mind bandwagoning as long as um, as long as long you don't walk around and scream that you have always been a fan of that team, and next year you say that for another team. So he doesn't mind bandwagoners as long as they're not too extreme. And that, that's, a, that's a fair response. Thank you again to our football crazy guy in Germany. Hopefully he'll be able to send us a fan rant perhaps next week. Uh, if not, anyone is welcome to send me something. Uh, one to ten minutes long fan rant. Again, send it to Kevin Gillikin at USA. I'm sorry, Kevin Gillikin USA at gmail.com. I can cover anything you want to talk about Broncos, Broncos offseason, your, your experiences with the Broncos, anything you like. It just has to be in an audio format. And it needs to be clean. So it needs to be PG rated, no F-bombs, no language. Keep it clean, but otherwise you can talk about whatever you want. So please send it to me, Kevin Gillikin, USA at gmail.com. Or find me on Twitter, again, Kevin Gillikin. Or I think, boy, what am I on Twitter? I think I'm Kevy Gillikin. That's K-E-V-D-Y Gillikin. Gillikin is with two L's. G-I-L-L-I-K-I-N-S. K-I-N-S. K-I-N-S. don't even know how to spell my own name. Uh, it's like Gilligan's Island-ish, but with a K and an I at the end, okay? So don't get too confused with Gilligan. Anyway, now that I'm rambling towards the end of the show, um, I'm kind of feeling the effects of this cold, and my brain is about 50% here at the most. So I think I'm going to check out a little bit early today. We're going to go and watch the Super Bowl. I might watch the Super Bowl. I'll at least watch the highlights of the Super Bowl. We'll see how I'm feeling. Of course, again, here it's going to be at, I think, 2.30 a.m. in the morning. Um, maybe I'll see if I can have some buddies come over and watch it with me. Or uh, we'll see. maybe my wife will stay up and watch it. But somehow, I doubt it. Either way, go Rams. I know most of Broncos country, probably 99.9% .9 of Broncos country is rooting for the Rams. The 1% that isn't is just hoping that Tom Brady wins and quickly retires. But either way, hopefully it's a good game, an entertaining game, and we will talk about that, the Broncos offseason, and, well, whatever the heck else we want to talk about next week right here on Broncos and Broadhorse. Until then, stay tuned, as always, for all of the stuff coming out on milehighreport.com. It really is the best place to get your Broncos content. well thought out and very well produced and well written. Broncos content. So milehighreport.com is the place to be. I'm Kevin Gilligan. Thanks for listening.